You're listening to the Candida Chronicles with your host, Dr. Jeff McCombs. Welcome to the Candida Chronicles, a podcast where we learn all about Candida and how to safely and effectively treat it. I'm Dr. Jeff McCombs, and I'll be your host for today's episode on Candida diets and medications. Medications tend to be probably the most common approach that people use initially when treating candida, as um, in treating many infectious diseases, until they find out uh, how ineffective they are, as well as um, how toxic they are, and then they move on to something else. Medications have inherent risks to them, as all chemicals do. Now, there's this belief that medications are safe, that they're tested, that they're proven through clinical trials, that um, they have the seal of approval, and while where some of that may be um, truthful or accurate, it doesn't mean that these, these products are safe, um, that they're beneficial, um, they're just really approved to be used in the treatment of different diseases and conditions. I mean, that's really all you can take away from the fact that they're on the market is that somebody has said it's okay to use these to treat whatever you want to treat, whatever they're designed to be treated for, although we know that many medications are used off-label for things they were never, ever intended for. But uh, um, as we talk about antifungal drugs and candida diets, I think it's important to sort of frame or have a little prelude to the talk of antifungal drugs, medications per se, um, by looking at some of the things that many people don't know about medications. First of all, they don't really work that well. Uh, this is something that was sort of an industry, a big pharma secret that was sort of, that came out um, through Alan Roses, who used to be the uh, worldwide vice president of genetics at GlaxoSmithKline, uh, the world's second largest pharmaceutical company. Uh, when he stated that uh, most drugs don't work. And to quote him, he said, the vast majority of drugs, more than 90%, only work in 30 or 50% of the people. And he goes on to say, I wouldn't say that most drugs don't work. I would say that most drugs work in 30 to 50% of the people. So you see that, you know, there's, there's a real wide range. I mean, this is probably something you've never heard from your medical doctor. It's not like they're going to give you a drug and say, you know, the likelihood that this works is going to be 30 to 50 percent, which means it's, it's really likely that 50 to 70 percent this won't work for you, but if it doesn't work, come back. So, I mean, that's, that's one thing that people I don't think really have ever really appreciated or um, been informed of is how drugs really don't work most of the time. And they definitely don't prevent disease, which is, they're the, I mean, that's the only product that can claim that according to the laws in this country, that they prevent disease when they don't. Um, they treat, I don't know, they're used to treat disease. They don't cure, they don't prevent, but um, drugs tend to be the, the one thing that the medical profession has to give to people, and so that's what the majority of people receive are drugs, in spite of this fact that more than 90% only work in 30 to 50% of the people. So, um, you know, that's one thing to consider. Another thing, because these are chemicals, these are toxins, you have to consider all the side effects. Antifungal drugs are, are very well known for creating a lot of side effects in the body. They're very powerful chemicals. Um, 
as we look at some of these, you know, this this is what's been learned. And they're, they're very, they can be very toxic to the liver, toxic to the kidneys, toxic to a lot of the tissues. But medications in general have this effect. It used to be that the average number of side effects for every drug used was somewhere around the range of 68 to 72 side effects per drug. Um, then there was a report that came out in the Archives of Internal Medicine in 2011 that stated that some drugs have more than 500 side effects. So from the average of 68 to 72 to 500 seemed to be the range. Um, but the average was still always being considered around 68 to 72. And then there was a study that came out from Stanford University, I believe, in 2013 that found on average 324 new side effects for each and every drug on top of that 68 to 72. So that means that almost all drugs have somewhere in the neighborhood of 400 side effects as we know it today. As time goes on, there's a great likelihood that that's just going to increase more and we'll find out more as technology uh, advances and software programs and tracking programs develop to the point where we can actually track all this information uh, more efficiently. So you have drugs not really working too much, side effects, and then you have another problem. You have resistance. So anytime that you use any drug to kill an infectious agent, and you have to really kind of understand what an infectious agent, that's going to be bacteria, virus, mold, fungus, yeast, something that's alive. See, everything has, everything that's alive has this directive to stay alive. But in addition to that, microbes have 360 times the genetics that humans have. So their ability to adapt and achieve resistance is remarkable, and it happens very quickly and very fast. And that's the problem with all antibiotic drugs. Anti being against, bio being life. So all these against life drugs that are designed to kill infectious organisms create the development of antifungal resistance in terms of antifungal drugs. So anytime you use an antifungal drug, you're going to create antifungal resistant strains that that drug will no longer be effective against. So they don't work, they have side effects, the resistance. Um, then another interesting thing is, um, and this sort of fits in with side effects, is that drugs contain a lot of toxins, which most people don't really consider. Because you consider that a pharmaceutical company is making these and they're, they're made in a very pure way, but you have to understand that the way in which they're made is also problematic. Um, just yesterday, uh, I received my weekly email from the FDA, and in that email was a uh, sort of guidance paper on mutagenic impurities. And this is, let me just read this to you. The synthesis of drug substances evolves, involves the use of reactive chemicals, reagents, solvents, catalysts, and other processing aids. As a result of chemical synthesis or subsequent degradation, impurities reside in all drug substances and associated drug products. So impurities reside in all drugs. And this might be you know, one of the reasons for all the side effects. It might be the reasons why drugs don't work that effectively. Um, so the toxicity. But it's all drugs contain these impurities. 
and this paper is designed to establish some type of assessment protocol that from this day forward that we will look at the impurities in drugs and try to determine how large a dose over what length of period of time is actually going to create mutations that can lead to cancer and other diseases. Now, that doesn't include anything that's on the market now. So all the drugs that are out there are sort of grandfathered into this. And it also excludes drugs that are already known to cause cancer and all that, you know, because a lot of chemotherapeutic agents, a lot of drugs that are known to cause cancer, well, they would just automatically be excluded, obviously, because it's already known that they cause this. And then harm, harmless substances, uh, herbs, supplements, they're not included in this either because they don't cause cancers and these mutations. So, I mean, this, these mutagenic properties. So all drugs, all drugs have mutagenic properties. So it just, you know, it's the dose. The, the dosage over how, much, how long a period of time. And what's never really considered in this case is that many drugs accumulate in the body. So the dosage can increase in your tissues over time. So it may not just be the one dose because toxicity is determined by the dose. Dose determines toxicity. But if you take it long enough, and if it accumulates in your tissues, if it bioaccumulates in the body, you may achieve the, the toxic dosage necessary to create mutagenic results in the tissues. In other words, cancer, change your DNA, have effects like that. So this is sort of my, my I believe, necessary prelude to the discussion of candida diets and medications. I think just understanding medications to begin with um, when we look at treating anything is, is very important because it's not something that you're ever going to hear from your medical doctor or anybody who disperses um, drugs. You're not generally going to hear it from a pharmacist. You're not going to hear it from an osteopath who writes you a prescription. I mean, this is stuff that most of these guys don't even know about to begin with. I mean, I had a discussion with a pharmaceutical rep not maybe four or five weeks ago. You know, one of the things he commented on is like, you know, well, doctors don't know anything, everything about drugs because we don't tell them everything about the drugs that we're, we're selling to them. So, I mean, it was a very just honest statement, but, you know, I was listening. So uh, back to candida diets and medications. So we have the prelude, the disclaimer about anybody using any medications. Of course, I'm a, I'm a doctor of chiropractic. I don't prescribe medications. I, I like the holistic route, the natural route. And I think that's actually the safest and most effective route to go. And this is the Candida Chronicles where we're looking for the safest and most effective way to treat or address candida. Um, so if we look again, candida diets, basically what we know today as a candida diet was developed by Dr. Orion Truss, an MD, back in the 60s, 70s, uh, based on observations, I think even going back as far as the late 50s for him. Uh, he developed a diet, and then he chose to, uh, along with this diet, although he considered the diet not to be that important, he used a anti, an antifungal drug called Nystatin. And he had some good results with it. So based on that, you know, he wrote a book. He brought forward the Candida diet. And so some of the original Candida diets um, were, that were being used in the 60s or even 70s were based on the work of Orion Truss. And he used Nystatin. Now, Nystatin is a drug, so there are a certain amount of toxicities associated with it. But it tends to be one of the least toxic drugs out there. But because it's a drug it creates the development of resistance. So there are anti-fungal, anti-nystatin resistant strains of fungus that you use this, it will create. So that's problematic. Another problem with nystatin as a drug choice is that it, um, 
isn't absorbed systemically. So for the most part, when you take it as a, a pill internally, because um, it can also be used as a wash, a cream, a shampoo for topical applications, or maybe as an oral rinse if you had uh, candida thrush, uh, oral candida uh, in the mouth, um, you could use an, an oral rinse. And, um, but it isn't absorbed systemically, so if you take it and you have a systemic imbalance related to candida, and candida has spread systemically throughout the body, which is very common, happens very easily, very quickly, then nystatin isn't going to work, and that's where his approach um, really couldn't gain much traction. It had some good results, but the, the drug really wasn't doing everything it needed to do in some people. Um, you also have other drugs, uh, you know, the development of other drugs like amphotericin B. Amphotericin B is a very, very toxic antifungal drug. Uh, it's amazing that it's used as the drug of first choice by some medical doctors because many, uh, much of the time it's reserved for when you have an actually runaway blood-borne candida infection. Uh, so if you have what's called sepsis, where the infection gets into the bloodstream because your immune system is so suppressed that you have really no immune system presence in your blood, then candida can survive in the blood, where typically it spends very little time in the blood because of the presence of the immune system. So amphotericin B is really one of those very toxic drugs that's sort of saved as a last resort and um, to use to treat sepsis and a life-threatening condition caused by uh, systemic fungal candida, blood-borne systemic fungal candida. But it has a lot of toxicity to it. Uh, there's uh, antifungal resistant strains that are developed because of its use. So it's, uh, you know, it's an, one of those things that you'll see some medical doctors prescribing to patients, and it always surprises me to see that. But um, more often you're going to see nystatin, or you're going to see one of the azole drugs. Uh, the azole drugs are... Um, Drugs like uh, uh, fluconazole, um, ketoconazole, um, uh, itraconazole, you might know them, fluconazole, the, uh, the more common name, diflucan, ketoconazole, nizorol, itraconazole, sporinox. Um, those drugs are, are used quite widely as well to treat candida. Uh, unfortunately, they have a lot of toxicity, so if you're using these azole drugs, you actually have to, or, or your doctor should be monitoring your blood levels for elevated liver enzymes. It's very toxic to the liver, very toxic to the kidneys. Um, some doctors say you're only going to be on this a short time, so we don't need to monitor those enzymes. And that actually is not true. So, um, but it's something to consider. Is because, again, they're toxic. They may not work. They do create side effects. And all the side effects aren't just going to be limited to the liver or the kidneys. They can affect a lot of tissues in the body. And, you know, nausea and diarrhea, vomiting, you know, those are some of the more common side effects with azoles and all drugs, really. Which is, by the way, you know, just a very obvious sign that the body doesn't like whatever you're putting in it. And you should always recognize these symptoms because you don't have to go the drug way. I mean, if you're going to abandon your own health care and just let the medical doctors take care of you, then you're probably going to run into these things and they'll give you other medications to hopefully treat some of the side effects that those medications create, but then you have to remember that the average medication has about 400 different side effects, so the new medications come with their, their 400 side effects as well. Um, so again, you have the azole drugs, uh, commonly used, and um, you know all these drugs, they all had initial success, but it's the development of the resistant strains that ensure that the drug market, the exploratory 
drug market to create new drugs is always in business because if you use any type of antibiotic drug, antimicrobial drug, uh, it has a limited life to it because just using it creates resistance and so eventually by using it you won't be able to use it ever again. And that's why we're looking at uh, projected uh, 50 million deaths over the next uh, 35 years due to antibiotic resistance because it's so widespread, the, the use of antibiotics, and they're just continue to increase. Now you have this antibiotic um, catastrophe looming you know, down the road here, where I think by 1950 they anticipate 10 million people will die each year due to antibiotic resistance. And antifungal drugs are going to be continuing to grow, and you're going to start to see more deaths with them because you're not going to be able to treat antifungal resistant strains. And as it stands right now, uh, Candida albicans is the fourth most commonly acquired hospital infection. So if you go in the hospital, there's a great chance you're going to come down with some type of Candida infection. And again, I believe anytime you use antibiotics, you'll get it. And antibiotics are given away like Halloween candy in hospitals. So we have Nystatin, we have Amphotericin B, we have the Azole drugs. Um, all worked well in the beginning, all have toxicity associated with them, so they need to be monitored uh, by blood tests. Um, and it's significant toxicity, it's not just a little bit. And um, in the night, in the mid-90s, we had a new class of drugs that was antifungal drugs because of the waning effectiveness of the previous antifungal drugs, which are, so the new ones were the echinocandins. Uh, they came along in the mid-90s, of course, the initial success was followed by uh, subsequent failures starting to pop up. And that, that happened, I think, within a, at least a 10-year period. So now you have the echinocandin-resistant strains of fungus that are out there. So this is just sort of a, a self-perpetuating problem that's going to always continue as long as you use drugs. And another consideration with all drugs, which I think is very important to consider if you have a fungal infection, is that many of these antimicrobials will suppress the immune system. And if you think of that for a minute, if you have an infection, your immune system probably is suppressed because that's, that's how you got the infection. Because if your immune system was strong enough, you wouldn't have come down with the infection. So taking a drug which further suppresses your infection is more likely to help that infection spread. But uh, many people don't realize that when you feel sick, the, the sickness, the achiness, the pains, the, all that stuff that you feel, the fever, that's actually generated by your immune response. So when you take a drug and that all goes away, that doesn't mean that you were just healed of what was causing the infection or the problem you were experiencing. That means this drug has gone in and suppressed those immune responses. Now, yes, sure, it's going to kill uh, antimicrobials. So if you take an antifungal drug, it's going to kill fungus. If you take an anti common antibiotic, it's going to kill bacteria. But it doesn't mean that necessarily that that infection's gone away. And we know from the science that the immune system is suppressed, that inflammatory response is suppressed, and we're creating antifungal resistant strains. So you're more than likely going to get some type of rebound infection, which is what we commonly see, which is what commonly happens with antifungal drugs, which then sends people out in search of some other, other path, uh, a less toxic path, a safer path, and a path that would be much more effective. Um, so, I mean, that's, I mean, that's the deal pretty much with um, antifungal drugs. Uh, they have toxicity. Uh, they create antifungal resistance. They have this paradoxical effect where they can actually cause the infection they're being taken for. 
All medications have a paradoxical effect. If you take a, a medication for headaches, it can actually cause the headaches. If you take an antifungal medication, it can also cause fungal infections. I don't necessarily know if it would do that as much so as it would just suppress the immune system and help that infection uh, spread further and come back stronger as an antifungal resistant strain. So I don't encourage people to use medications. I, as a chiropractor, I don't prescribe them. I don't believe in them necessarily. Um, they may be sort of a last-ditch effort if your body has just gotten so bad that you need to use something so powerful to just try and knock everything down. And you have to understand that sometimes when your body is in, in dire straits, the thing that's really sometimes harming you is your own immune system. If we, if we look at sepsis again, when you have a, a blood-borne infection and um, your body responds so aggressively, it's usually the aggressive immune response that the body puts out because the blood just doesn't have a strong enough presence of white blood cells, but you have this massive systemic body-wide immune response. That response many times is going to be responsible for uh, harming the body as well. So, you know, drugs are... I don't believe are the way to go. I think they have a lot of problems with them. And when it comes to uh, treating candida, it's definitely not uh, something I recommend. There are going to be more drugs coming down the, the road. Yeah, you can bet on it. It's, it's, a, it's a field rich with uh, investment. And it's out of necessity of all these drugs continuing to fail once you start to use them. You're going to need the next one. And that's what you see in the antibiotics. You know, Regardless if someone comes up with the next grand, brand new antibiotic, it's going to fail. That's just, it's inherent in its nature. So uh, there are better ways to approach treating candida, and uh, I would recommend them highly. Uh, so today we want to look at a, uh, uh, today's case study uh, is actually a woman who came to me uh, several years ago who claimed to have lost eight years of her life due to dealing with candida. She had uh, recurring bladder kidney infections. She was treated by MD after MD with antifungal drugs. Uh, with no improvement. Uh, she may have had some initial little improvement in symptoms, but basically the problems all persisted and stayed. Uh, she experienced chronic fatigue, extreme exhaustion, digestive imbalances that included uh, bloating, gas, indigestion. She had uh, neurological issues such as brain fog, depression. She had blood sugar imbalance, sweet cravings. Uh, she had constipation. She had dental problems. I mean, her whole body was just in dire straits. It was breaking down. It really wasn't coping, adapting very well. Um, after uh, failing with so many approaches and um, trying just the basic candida diet with only minimal improvement, uh, she started trying uh, anything, any doctor, anything natural. So she went through a lot of the uh, common approaches that you'll find out there, whether they be caprylic acid or uh, uh, other approaches. I mean, there's a lot of stuff on the market being marketed towards people. Um, she came to us, uh, we put her on the, the candida plan right away, and, and additionally we, we put her on the blood sugar protocol. Uh, this is a protocol to help balance blood sugar. It's something that we've seen uh, more and more of now. It tends to be much more common than it was 15 years ago when we were treating candida. Um, but it's something that you know she definitely needed with her blood sugar imbalances. Uh, you know, she had constipation, we gave her uh, Trace Minerals Concentrates, that's a concentrated mineral solution that works by just gently pulling more water into the, the bowels to help move the bowels. Um, we also recommended Colon Program from Pure Body Institute, that's an herbal formula, and she needed that. She saw uh, 
improvements in the bowel movements. Uh, definitely not up to three to four bowel movements a day, which is sort of textbook normal. Um, but most people have one, so most people are very unfamiliar with textbook normal bowel movements. Uh, but three to four a day is healthy. So, um, and she slowly started to, you know, regain her health. I mean, she had lost her job. She had lost her relationship. She had lost her home. Uh, she lost her, her, her savings. All her savings was spent on trying to correct this problem. And, um, you know, she had a bumpy first couple of weeks. Um, but after that, she made steady improvement over the 16-week course of the plan. And, uh, of course, when it came time to add foods back in, in, in the Candida plan, she decided not to add most of those foods back in simply because she just felt so much better. She felt like she had a new lease on life. So she really was uh, resistant to uh, doing anything that might take her back down that road that she had just uh, come from because it was eight years of uh, almost a life of disability for her. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's something that we commonly see. Uh, again, you know, we, when you address candida, candida is related to over 125 different conditions. And so you're, you're likely to see a broad range of effects in most people with many, many problems. Um, uh, she's still healthy this, to this day. She's active. She's gainfully employed uh, some five years after doing the plan, six years now maybe. Uh, she continues to eat healthy. She uses the sauna several times a week, which is a recommendation that we have with the Candida plan. Um, and uh, she's been in and out of the corporate world. Um, she's been... She started, actually started her own nonprofit site to assist others in reclaiming their health and addressing candida. And, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's one of those nice ones you get to see where people are so destitute. And we've seen it many times where, um, you know, most people will complain about having to go to work. But when you take these people who have had their life taken away from them and they can no longer work and uh, they can't have a job and so they can't afford to do a lot of things in life and they start living this very minimalistic life, when they can work, they are so happy, they are so overjoyed, they have a life back. And um, I mean, it's definitely what we, we've seen uh, with many people we saw with her. And uh, it's always great to see it when it happens. And uh, in the podcast, I also want to address uh, questions that come up. And one of the questions that we uh, received, uh, someone had asked us if they had done medications and... Um, they had, hadn't had success with it, or if they were doing medications at uh, the current moment, could they do a candida diet, or specifically our candida diet, our candida plan, and um, still use the medication, or would the medication have created such a, a bad problem in them that they wouldn't be able to follow our protocol? Um, medications don't preclude someone from being able to do the candida plan. Uh, we don't encourage people to do medications while doing the plan simply because of the side effects of suppressing the immune system, uh, the development of antifungal resistant strains. Um, not that the plan doesn't have the ability to address those, but you know, primarily this the toxicity and the immunosuppression. So uh, we don't recommend doing it with our plan, which is more of a natural, holistic approach. And because um, you need the immune system, you need the immune system to be there to control candida and to keep it and prevent it from uh, overgrowing again and spreading through the body. So um, having used antifungal drugs previously, it's not going to affect the effectiveness of the plan. Um, but if you use antifungal drugs and you never really address the toxicity it created in the body, that may become problematic for you at some point. Uh, 
So that question just seemed to uh, uh, fit in real nice, and we thank John for sending that in from Kansas City. And uh, I think one thought I'd like to end this episode on um, is was put forward by John Knowles, former president of the Rockefeller Foundation, when he said the next major advance in the health care of the American people, and I would just extend that to the world, actually, will be determined by what the individual is willing to do for himself or herself. And I think that's so true. When it comes to health, it's really each person's responsibility to take control of their health, to take care of themselves, to monitor what they eat. I mean, you are really the one person that knows the most about your body, and you're the one person uh, who will have the greatest say in whatever anybody gives you or whatever you take. It's, it's always going to be up to you. Um, the Candida plan is just Candida plan. It's really up to you to make it work by, by following it. If you don't follow it, then follow something else. You know, but it's it's up to you to you know determine what really works for you and what your life is going to be like. Um, again, we uh, if you have questions, let us know, and um, you can visit us at candidaplan.com. You can visit our Candida library. I think I believe we have around 500 studies posted there. Uh, we have over 170 blog posts on our blog at candidaplan.com, that's C-A-N-D-I-D-A-P-L-A-N.com, forward slash blog. Um, there'll be more podcasts coming. This was episode three. Also, you can get the Everything Candida Diet Book, which is the book I wrote last year, and that provides you with over 150 recipes. It goes into a lot of the different treatment approaches, uh, what candida is, how it comes into becoming a problem for most people, and... Um, let us know you're out there, send in a question, and thank you for joining us once again.